All right. Welcome to another episode of Fight Stories brought to you by Absolute Nature CBD. Absolute Nature CBD bringing you the finest in all natural, all organic CBD oil and CBD oil products. Go to AbsoluteNatureCBD.com, punch in the promo code Goon Squad, get yourself a sweet ass 40% discount. Oh, hell yeah. And if you want to find a sweet little deal, head over to Uncle Ronnie's Teabag.com, get yourself some sick fight stories tees you can get these logos that are right behind us pump those onto your shirts you'll be looking sweet fresh to death everyone's right. gonna want to fight you <laughs> <laughs> the men will want to fight you and the babes will want to fuck you with that new uncle ronnie's teabag.com all right so here's something that that i have uh that i've noticed you're you're back uh you're back boozing yeah, yeah. I took uh, two months off just kind of uh, trying to drop some uh, pounds because you know what? The pandemic's been a son of a bitch. Yeah. You know, I went uh, I went like a month off at one point during the pandemic and then I probably went like four months on <laughs> like every night. Yeah, yeah. Just being a maniac. And uh, well, I'm not really not, not even being a maniac. Like I'm just drinking here and, you know, casually, but sometimes I'll drink 10, you know? Right. Right. And uh, decided to, you know, get in a little bit better shape. I took two months off. I've been working out, hitting the treadmill and stuff, feeling good. Then I said, you know what? Two months, going to have a couple of beers. I don't want my wife getting too comfortable with you not with drinking. Me not drinking. Cause I, did, right. I didn't stop drinking because I got a problem and I'm being a maniac. It's just <laughs> according to you, not her. But anyway. Well, whatever, you know, right. like, let's let the police decide. <laughs> yeah. they, they, hey, they decided for me. Oh, yeah. but, but like, I keep it pretty casual. And then, uh, yeah. and then, you know what? I was like, okay, I'll just have a couple this weekend. And then, uh, you know, I took another week off and then had a couple on the weekend. Just, you know, nothing crazy, but I can't wait till things open back up again. Cause I will be getting crazy. I will be getting so dumb. And I'm already, you know, 15 pounds lighter. So yeah. you never know what's going to happen. Yeah, that was, that was the thing, man. The first month of COVID, dude, I probably put on 15. And then I spent the rest of it keeping it off, you know? Oh, that's it, man. Like, I, like I ballooned up to 230. And now I'm down to 215. So I'm, I'm feeling all right, you know? Right. But I could be 230 again tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> funny it's funny because those are those are my same numbers <laughs> oh yeah but you're six five six two yeah, <laughs> yeah five ten five ten buddy yeah someone's gonna be like you're five nine dude <laughs> no way no way <laughs> say that to my face i'm ten and a half <laughs> i love i love how guys are always an inch taller yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> So I take fun. it down. I give you the half inch, people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Six two and a half. <laughs> Good little round down. Yeah, I like to underwhelm you. <laughs> Speaking of underwhelming, we got a great episode for you today. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding, yeah. man. This guy is a wild card that we got. I mean, totally, totally. This guy was recommended. To- it was uh it was our buddy colin cook yeah cookie right yeah 
Colin Cook first said, "Oh, dude, you got to get my uh, my buddy Yoshi on." Yoshi was like his roommate for a little while. Oh, really? Um, I didn't realize they were roommates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he would like crash at their place when he was coming through New York. Yoshi to me is like a little bit of like a Renaissance man. You know what I mean? Like, like a little bit of a wanderer. You know, like a like a street educated philosopher. You know. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, Yoshi also opens up for Russell Peters, so he'll crash on he'll crash on an open micers couch no disrespect to colin cook he's got a great album that's coming out that got picked up by comedy dynamics yeah that's not open mic or shit yeah 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 but, but at the know, time but at the at time, time it was probably yeah. five years ago you know yeah. so he'll crash at an open micers place you know while he's opening up for for you know one of the biggest acts in the world so mm-hmm. you know he's a he's, he's a down-to-earth level-headed dude oh um, yeah and yoshi probably you know some of you guys might have already heard the story you know which got him some probably some uh some infamy where yeah, totally right. Joe Rogan, he was on Rogan and he went to Japan and punched out his stepmother at his father's <laughs> funeral because he believed that she had a, a role in his death. You know, that is insane. That's an insane story. So one of the wildest stories ever. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. just one of those things he's told on the biggest platform that you could ever tell. So he doesn't tell it on this one. So yeah, exactly. after this episode, after this episode, go and check it out. He tells it on Rogan. Rogan. It's on yeah. YouTube. Yeah. After you've subscribed, after you've commented, after yeah. you've shared, click the bell so you get notifications. Right. Right. Don't mess with us. Okay. Don't fuck around. Don't mess with the boy with the sunshine boys. <laughs> or we'll hit you where the sun don't shine. <laughs> <laughs> the booze is back baby <laughs> all right listen to this episode with yoshi everybody all right welcome to another episode of fight stories i'm john moses with my uh, co-host up in canada tyler morrison and today we got a mm-hmm. uh, a great guest recommended from colin cook by the way yoshi Abayashi. how are you man good man thanks for the invite yeah yeah thanks um, for, guess... thanks, thanks for yeah, uh, agreeing to do it. Yeah, I guess I I guess we were trying to do it six seven months ago, but COVID didn't really help the matter. Yeah, that's right. So, that's right. Yeah, that's right. I think this is how we're gonna be. Everybody's gonna be doing all the podcasts forever. Like, why would you meet up now? You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think this is an opening opportunity for people that you probably don't have chance to meet in person. So I think actually, yeah, ironically, sure. the whole world is open to us. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. It's true. People are like, oh, God, I'm not doing nothing, you know, especially a couple yeah. of months ago. Everybody was open, dude. Everybody was like, I'm not doing shit. Things are starting to open up a little bit. People are starting to get a little busy, but, you know, people are available for sure. So sure. Uh, you're in St. Louis right now. and We were talking a little bit beforehand, which is funny because we were just yeah. in St. Louis, you know, me and Tyler a couple months, you know, pre-COVID uh, yeah. last year talking to a bunch of St. Louis blues you know, about fight stories, of course. So St. Louis, we keep punching your ticket, but uh, you're in St. Louis right now and traveling the nation uh, during this lockdown. Is that is that sort of fair to say? Are you traveling the nation or? Yeah, I mean, I was locked up 135 days in Phoenix and I left three weeks ago. And oh. I've, been, I've been meaning to go see a couple of my friends and St. Louis is one of the well. I was I was going to I was going to be here opening for uh, working with Russell Peters. He canceled the show. Oh, and oh I ordered nice. my ticket anyway, so I just kind of flew in for a day. And I have a friend here. It's a beautiful city. 
And you're right. I'm, I'm not a hockey guy, but St. Louis Blues, that thing is just uh, in the air over here right now. Yeah. Everybody's oh, cool. very excited. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's still buzzing. That's cool. Oh, so, for sure. Um, you said you were locked up in Phoenix, but you just mean you were there. That's, I guess that's where you live? Oh, no, L.A. Um, March 15th, I think I did the last show with Russell Peters. March 16th, I was visiting my friend Phoenix, and I, I was ready to go to New York. Um, then a couple of my friends said, why don't you stay in Phoenix? I don't think it's a good idea to go to New, New York. And they were right. So I ended up staying there for 135 days. Wow. <laughs> and <laughs> and um, I don't know if they want me to stay that long, but I stay there. And <laughs> Worse than COVID. <laughs> yeah, the house guest that never leaves, right? <laughs> yeah. But I made the best of it, you know. I, I think I walked like 1,100 miles, you know, 110 wow. degree Phoenix. I've read nine books and I don't know, keep myself busy as much as I can, you know, online courses. So instead of bitching and crying about the situation, try to make some good out of it, you know? Definitely. Yeah. Every, I feel yeah. like most people probably came out of this with like a new skill or read a couple of books or a little better at something, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't want to be a downer, but I think maybe this is kind of a good thing for us in the long run that maybe we're a little spoiled because i was thinking Anne frank like two years she was hiding that building right yeah you couldn't you can't even leave like come on you could you could walk outside once a day it's, it's is it really that terrible you know yeah i mean if you uh, think lose, about lose it lose some weight yeah <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah america <laughs> Are uh, you listening? Um, if you think about it, like, you know, the plague when it hit 100 years ago or or whatever it was, like it hit during a time where there was nothing to do. Yeah. Like you just had to stay inside yeah. and read like your three books over and over and over again, you know? At least we got Netflix. I, I might, maybe this is a terrible thing to say, but I think part of me, uh, there's part of me think the problem with COVID is it's not killing enough people. <laughs> um because 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 it's not killing enough people people are not taking it seriously but i think i i remember a couple of things in history um middle ages ended after black pay killed so many people that the the kings and lords have to make deal with the peasants because there is not enough labor so actually it's one of the pivotal things that changed the history for the better so mm. i know when things are going bad we think in short term, everything's bad, but um, there's going to be a lot of unintended consequences. We'll, we, will, we won't feel it until five, seven, maybe 20 years down the road. You know, you know what? That, all I the mean, kids just... graduating. <laughs> off the top, off the, right off the top of my head, if this pushes, um, you know, 20% of the workforce to work from home and then you lose that miserable yeah. commute and you get a little more time with your family that's already beneficial, you know? Now, I don't know what the ripple effects are yeah. gonna be when all of a sudden you lose 20% of the commercial office buildings being full and, you know, a bunch of janitors lose their jobs. Like, I don't know like what the equilibrium is, but I think there is gonna be some, there is gonna be like some sort of balancing <clears throat> act where people are spending a little more time with their families, not always a good thing. And, uh, <laughs> and, and, you know, thinking about what's important, you know? Sure. And if you're not happy with your life, you know, this is time for you to change. 
and you should literally fight for your life. You know, this is if you don't do it now, you're never going to do it. So, you know, get off your ass and just try to change if you're not happy with your life, you know. <laughs> right, and go to St. Louis. All right, so mm -hmm. you're in St. Louis because, I mean, obviously the Russell Peters things, but while you're there, you decided to go and... Well, two places I visited, Miles Davis' home, and two, uh, most importantly, where Michael Brown got shot. Um, I went to that store where he supposedly shoplifted instead of the whole conflict. But um, it's really weird to read this last six years and actually go to that um, store. Ironically, that shop was owned by East Indian people. Yeah. So they look like Russell Peters' family, you know? He was kind of <laughs> yelling at me, go to counter right now. I'm like, all right, take it easy. <laughs> yeah. So, and half a mile away, the whole apartment complex where the whole thing's started and um I, I i feel very conflicted because you don't want to see anyone's son get killed but i'm still kind of shocked how people misrepresenting the situation i don't think the police officer did anything wrong because the forensic and uh michael brown's family also did a secondary forensic study and a match and he did not raise his hands and say don't shoot that's not true at all but these days facts doesn't matter they just want to riot you know yeah, and well, I met plenty of people here. Put plenty of people here. A couple of people here that they were saying like the kid was a troublemaker, you know, but they don't want to say because they look like Uncle Tom or whatnot. Right, right, right. Oh, so 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 black people were saying this. Some, yeah. Right, and, right, right. Well, there is there is a lot. I mean, a lot of this stuff is. I mean, like overall, there needs to be police reform for sure. But then, you know, case to case to case, <clears throat> you know, they're all. The merits of every case still have to be weighted, you know. Like, there's nothing more tragic. Yes, there's nothing more tragic than that kid, um, Tamir Rice. What was his name? The, who was playing at the park, like a 12-year-old kid who had a gun and a toy gun. Oh yeah, Cleveland, right? Shot him. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing. Yeah. There's nothing more tragic than that. But you know. Yes. Is the is, you know, should a guy who's you know shoplifting and lipping off and being aggressive. Or, you know, even the other guy, the Wendy situation, a drunk driver who resists arrest and push the fucking cop off. Yeah. You know, obviously that shouldn't be met, met with a death sentence. But unfortunately, when you start, you know, getting into that stuff, it's kind of yeah. on the table. You don't know what type of reaction you're going to open up. You know what I mean? So, you know, they're, they're, yeah, they're not all equal is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. And, um... I want to be sensitive to the victims' family, so um, you know, um, victims in certain situations. And but you have to be fair with the police too. It's a really complicated situation. It's yeah, it's it's I very know, complicated, mm -hmm. and you know, across the board, and and um, you know, things get swept up in momentum, and you know, it's easy to make generalizations. But you know, you're absolutely right. There's a whole bunch of people who shouldn't be getting shot, and there's a whole bunch of good cops who are just trying to do their do their job. And right now, it's uh, it's very difficult for both sides. So. And I can't believe how many people don't care about the facts, you know, because one time I was getting right from a friend, friend of my friend going up to San Francisco. And for some reason, within half an hour leaving L.A., we were talking about Ferguson. And I was explaining to him that the, all the facts, and he didn't like it. He's an Asian guy but from San Francisco. And um, Michael Brown's father said, the police need more training to prevent something like this. And I agree. I mean, can you yeah. mention any profession where you don't need more extra training? 
as a comic, we could have more stage time. If you're a doctor, you need more training. And the part that he got upset with me, I said, well, that's true. But don't you think Mr. Michael Brown's father could have had more parenting classes because the way his son was behaving, getting caught, pushing the guy down and punching the car in the police, that's not a civilized behavior either. Anyway, he, he right. got so upset with me. He was ready to drop me off middle of the freeway. So, you know, <laughs> I just have to keep my mouth. Yeah. Well, shot because these days, like I said, people are not interested. In fact, they take sides, either yeah. your team police or team right. uh, victim or whatever, you know. Right, right, right. And if you're in the middle, then, you know, neither of them want anything to do with you. It's lonely in the middle right now, yeah. you know. There's a kid up here. He uh, was drinking and driving, crashed a car into the lake, killed his friends like they died. And uh, oh, no. the dad was pushing for... Uh, like stricter drinking and driving laws. It's like, dude, your kid had 22 prior driving inst infractions and you gave him the keys to the fact yeah. 80s, but you're trying to change the laws. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Maybe with the Look, other kids I, I, who aren't going to be I, serving I, life, don't give them the fucking keys. Yeah. People got to take responsibility I, on all ends, right? Yes. I could understand why he feel that way because he probably feel guilty. Maybe he should have done better parenting, but when, when you lose your kid, you're not going to be rational. So I, I get yeah. it, but I don't think this is a necessary good message to the society either because, um, in Japan, not a, a lot of this stuff probably doesn't happen because in Japan, it's not, uh, innocent until proven guilty. It's pretty much guilty until you prove yourself innocent, you know, and mm. uh, the fact that you fight cops and stuff, it's, it's just so unheard of over there, you know. Right, right, like culturally. Social media. Yeah. <laughs> so my uh, my brother got dinged yeah. in the head for um, resisting arrest, and you know suffered some um, sort of like long term brain damage as a result. And you know. Oh no. Should he have? Should he have done it? And, you know, of, you know, of course not. You know, should should my brother? You know. Um, you know, have to sort of suffer with something for the rest of his life because of a moment where he kind of pushed back on a cop or was kicking a cop door or something like that? You know, the answer is no. Yeah. Unfortunately, no. You know, th th that becomes in the realm of possibilities. You're spinning a wheel, you know what I mean? Sure. And that, uh, <laughs> like the Wheel of Fortune, when you get that one thing for like $10,000, that's only coming up once, but you still could hit it. <laughs> no, um, you're, you're right, though. Yeah. yeah. You know, it sucks. For sure, it sucks. You know, but I do think, I actually do think that, um, you know, at the very least, cops across the board should have um, continual MMA training in order to subdue somebody and take them down and put them in an arm bar and not give somebody a chokehold. You know what I'm saying? So that you don't yeah. get some guy running away with your taser and, you know, <laughs> and you don't shoot him because you're afraid and you're scared and you're having a moment. You know, th yeah. just that type of training would make you much calmer in those situations, you know? You that and probably some cultural studies courses, but... You have to do it enough times that you feel comfortable... Exactly. ...time to, to be able to make the right yeah. play. And you see these guys who are jittery. And you've seen the cop videos where a guy gets shot, and it's like this cop clearly is just not comfortable in his job, and he's got an itchy trigger finger because he's afraid. He, you know... They go into tough situations all the time. Everywhere they go, they they're rolling the dice too. Every call they take, so yeah. you need. I mean, not those guys. not so much in Muskoka. <laughs> no, no, no. We got the internet, John. <laughs> yeah. 
I have friends overseas, especially in Europe, they were just shocked that we were allowed to have guns for, you know, law-abiding law citizens in the United States. And I think that a lot of the fear is most people don't have experience using guns. So once you have some experience with guns, maybe there will be less fear. I think there's some kind of disconnect between relationship with citizen and police. You know, maybe there's more interaction. For sure. That, uh, we don't necessarily fear the cops, you know, because my experience, I mean, there's been time I get speeding tickets, but mostly it was my fault. I don't have negative attitude about the police, you know, because right. uh, some people com some people complain about over-policing, but I lived in poli neighborhood with under-policing. It's dangerous without a police. I don't know yeah, what to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? but, but also, um, you know, definitely if you're, if you've got, uh, if you're growing up in a situation where you're being pulled over and harassed and, you know, every time you're sure. going a mile over the speed limit, then you can see how, you know, those, those, um, those relationships sort of form, you know, I, I lived in, uh, I lived in Brooklyn for, uh, for like a year. I slept on a couch in Canarsie yeah. and, you know, with a couple of comics who are good buddies. But, you know, predominantly black neighborhood. I remember, other than a couple of shows, the first month I was there, I didn't see any white people. Like, there was, you just didn't see white people in that neighborhood. And I was pulled sure. over five times in that span, which was probably about as many times as I've been pulled over otherwise the rest of my life, you know? Right. And um, because, you know, and they were like, you know, mo more often than not, it was black cops doing it. And they were like, what the fuck is this white guy? I was on my phone half the time. And, you know, but yeah. they're like, what the fuck is yeah, this yeah. white guy even doing in this area? Is he buying drugs? And that was sure. bothersome. You know, it's like, it's annoying. I know yeah. why you're pulling me over. It's kind of bullshit. So if you did that um, over a 20-year period, of course you're going to have a yeah. distrust, you know? But so there, sure. but you're, you're right. It's two sides. I mean, like, you know, you, you have to get some sort of more community involvement, more fucking barbecues, dude, you know? More barbecues. Yeah. And, uh, and like, sports together. Like, maybe not basketball. You don't want, like, cops and, and uh, citizens going, going in doing hard fouls. But you're absolutely right. There needs sure. to be more, like, community involvement, you know? Yes, sir. I agree with you. Yeah, because um, I, don't, I don't, I don't enjoy seeing this stuff in Seattle and Portland. Yeah, so tell me Seattle. about that. Yeah. You were because you were there too. You're you're traveling all over while the rest of the country is afraid to go to the fucking corner store. Yeah, it's um. I I was there. I don't know three four days ago. So I mean, oh, I, I forgot what Chad stands for, but um, Capitol Hill something zone area and. Uh, it's they removed the whole area about a month ago, but you still see damages, you know, uh, boarded yeah. window and things like that. And I think it's really shocking for me to see that because Seattle's a pretty liberal, mellow town, you know. People like to smoke weed and coffee and, and relax, you know. But right. um, to, to see it like that, because 1999, my friend. Tanner Manu and myself, we saw the WTO 1999 riots and. I think we might have been a little drunk and high. We thought it was kind of fun to go there. So yeah. we, we drove up to Seattle. Seattle because when you see stuff like the TV and actually see in person, it's a completely different animal. And okay. um, we we thought, and he's a comedian too, so we, we thought it was being funny to go. And when you see 35, 40, maybe even 50,000 angry people, basically, and everyone have different... Uh, reasons they were there, you know, some for child labor, some for um, international trade, 
um, sex, you know, sexual harassment case. So everyone had a different reason, but they became collision of one, like an animal, right? Right, and, right, like an angry mob. An, an I mean, angry, angry, like an angry like, school of fish, you know? Yeah. And in the beginning, I th it was kind of funny because I thought it was strange that um, about twenty to 25,000 people were, or half of them about, they're women, right? And I thought it was kind of funny because not one hot chick at this thing, right? They're <laughs> like, not, not one, they're just mess. And I, my conclusion yeah, was- well, the hot chicks had you, dates. <laughs> there was, there was, they're not good looking. I'm like, I wasn't good looking either, but I think when you're beautiful, you don't care about the world. You know what I mean? When your beautiful yeah. world come to you. So right. I thought it was kind of funny and we were kind of horsing around until I think it was one of those kids from Portland or someplace in Oregon. They started throwing rocks, broke the window and it just went nuts, man. I mean, right. Nike town. They're so, and we were like inside of the, uh, the March. So like we couldn't even get out of there. You know, so I, I've right. seen these war movies where the losing sign, even they have a numerical superiority. When you panic, you don't think of a defending you from fighting. It, it was a really scary, like, I don't know, it could have been five minutes or 15, 20 minutes, but right. they're just panicked, um, rubber bullets and tear gas and things like that. And when you experience, and I, I saw that once in Afghanistan, I saw once in uh, Athens, whenever there's mob and things like that, you watching keep, the news. You keep showing up. It, <laughs> Yeah, it, it doesn't clearly give you the right impression because when you're there, when you see a Molotov cocktail head like a few feet from you, that thing wow. is so loud and the fuck, yeah. Um, it's a complete different things, you know? So, I mean, of course I ran, like I ran as fast as I can. All right, as it right. starts. So have you seen anybody get um, brutalized in those riots? Have you seen anybody like a protest or somebody causing shit getting beat up cops ripping on somebody i mean i got hit by a couple of um, rubber bullets and i ran but when i turned around there was those young kids um yeah um they were trying to fight the cops you know and i think i did joe rogan's podcast years ago and the friend i was on asked joe if he could do like one minute sparring match with the mixed martial art and joe said you have to be crazy to do that and and I think what happened with these kids in Portland and Seattle, they've never been punched in the face. So they right. don't take violence that seriously. You know, right. I think if you get punched in the face once, like you really, really think about these things seriously, you know? Right. Yeah. And um, the other me, side, I, uh, mm -hmm. the other side of that go ahead, is go ahead. once you get punched in the face, it's not such a, you know, you're like, oh, I could, I could take that. Like if you're, if you've been fearful up until that moment, you know what I mean? You're like, oh, that wasn't yeah. so bad. And especially when you're a younger guy and you're full of booze. But, um, I, I think well, it's that's like, because you... it's because of I the booze. That's because... <laughs> no, no. It's because you're a braver man than I am. Because like yeah, it, yeah. when I got hit in the face, like I, I, I really need to start think about my life decisions, you know? And, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't take it that way. I said, I need to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> right, right. Um, but that said, you're, you're, uh, I mean, you're a guy that'll go, right? Like when yeah, provoked or um, when pushed, you'll, you'll fight. 
I, if I have to, um, I mean, if you want to continue the story with um, Seattle. Yeah. Um, I was working late 90s in downtown Seattle, uh, a porn shop in downtown Seattle. He said they were open like 24 hours a day. Yeah. And it's that 5.30 crowd. It's a hot crowd. <laughs> they're not that bad, but um, my problem was uh, when I started working like 1999, I worked midnight until 9 a.m. shift. And there's few things, few stores open 24 hours. So sometimes we have some of the undesirable show up the shop, you know, and I'm pretty naive. I mean, I'm tw it was 20 years ago, so I still thought people behave in some semblance civilized behavior, but yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think um, I had this customer, so I don't want to gross your audience, but you, you, you know, can't. The you, still, can't. <laughs> you can't. <laughs> so, so um, I first happened in Seattle. It's very close to the financial district. So you know, um, and, and the internet was still wasn't that big factor for porn yet. So wow, we have customers show. Yeah, so we have a customer like show up before work, during lunch, and after work, and then we have booth. You know, like because a lot of them don't necessarily buy anything because they have a wife or girlfriend at home. So, you know, if the, if you audience enough, remember there's a times when these guys used to go booth, put a cord and watch porn and they jerk masturbating in those rooms. Yeah. And of course, if somebody's masturbating, somebody to clean those room and then you're looking at the guy who used to clean those booths, you know? <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so, and oh, um, um People, a lot of my friends are like, how could you do that? But the thing is, I believe in America, you know, like you, you take any <laughs> job and you know what I mean? I'm, I'm going to be a, the best cum cleaner because if as long as you work, you don't bother anyone, you know, that's that's the, that's that's what you're supposed to do. So anyway, I didn't bother. <laughs> yeah. I worked in a cum, I cleaned uh, cum in a porn booth because I believe in America is the funniest oh, yeah. thing um, dude. <laughs> As long as you work, you know, you because I, after that, I got uh, into, a, I started working for one of the porn production company in LA and, and I got pretty deep in it. But, you know, the mess, like you see, obviously calm, shit, piss, all <sighs> kinds of mess, but I did it, you know, and yeah. um, I, it's honest, it's honest about work, but um, I, I was, um, there was there was guys who used to go in and cause problems like shoplifting and things like that to the point where uh, some of them are stealing or and believe me i'm not a sensitive guy you know sometimes they call me chinks or whatever i didn't care about that yeah, but yeah, there yeah. was one guy who was trying trying to steal and causing problems so i have to um plan for him so in the shop we have video cameras but what these guys don't know there's blind spots in different stores so um you know, we have, I have a couple of friendly crackhead friends. I will, I will let them stand certain parts of the blind spot and see uh, if I punch the guy or hit him with a baseball bat, would, would I be seen? So when the customer <laughs> wasn't there, because I don't know how to fight. So we did that yeah. a couple of times because we had a video camera. So I told two guys to stand swing and I could look like, okay, there's spots where I could literally hit the guy and I won't be seen doing that. So, um, oh, you sneaky motherfucker. Mastermind. Oh yeah, masterminded <laughs> that shit. This is like, you know, modern Pearl Harbor over here. So anyway, um, 
So this motherfucker walks in, he's calling me names and trying to steal stuff, go to booth. And I knew I got a few minutes. And as soon as I saw that he was walking out, I went to the blind spot. And as soon as he got out of the booth area, I swung and hit him in the face. And on the video, all you see is like, this guy's, this guy's flying across the room for no reason, you know? <laughs> like because, paranormal state. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Like some kind of spirit hit him, you know? But um, because some, some of the street people, it doesn't really matter. You can't reason with them, you know? I Absolutely told them not, not to do it, don't steal. They and might like be, I told they're them, probably mentally ill. Like, how can you? Yeah, and so, and even if I call the police, by then he's gone anyway. So. Uh, interesting uh, fact, I did that. Um, he didn't come back anymore, you know, so problem solved. But right. we used to have this book called um, Hall of Shame album and all the guys working at the Taboo Video back in days, we have a race. Like every time we cut out shoplifters, we'll take Polaroid. We didn't even have digital camera. We have Polaroid. So we'll yeah, take yeah, picture yeah. of the guys we caught. Uh, I like taking picture when I have a guy on the ground with my foot in his head and take a Polaroid picture of the guy, right? <laughs> and um, so, and these are like skinny crackhead types, you know, it's not like, um, but yeah. I don't, I don't, it's funny now, but I, I, I didn't really enjoy doing it, but what do you do when people threaten you and do shit like that, you know? Yeah. Um, That's so funny. We, at, at our local hospital, they have something like that, but it's just for people who got fish hooks stuck in their <laughs> in their fingers. Oh, <laughs> really? Yeah, they take pictures of everyone who comes in with a with a fish hook stuck in their fingers. They go on the wall of shame at the hospital. Oh, that's so <laughs> funny, dude. I live yeah. in a pretty rural area. <laughs> but we had that we had that at the supermarket in Brooklyn. And that was only four yeah. years ago. They were still snapping Polaroids. Like, where are you even getting filmed with this fucking shit? You know? Yeah, it's it's um, it's kind of weird. It's kind of sad because I was visiting one of my friends in Portland, and um, I look at those album like twenty years later, and like, oh, I remember catching this guy with a dildo in his pants. I caught this guy with a magazine. You know, it's like all this <laughs> stories, like. Um, you know those Ohio State players? They got the, they put everything, they threw an interception or something, or catch an interception. They put in like, you know, little picture on their helmet. Yeah. It was our, it was like a porn version of like every time we cut a shoplifter, you know, we take a picture <laughs> yeah. and like. So how many people were at the store? Right how many people were there with you when you're putting these guys down? Or is it just you? Um, It's usually by myself. Uh, I mean, the Friday and <laughs> Saturday, uh, Friday midnight shift, but these guys know. Like what what they do is they usually open the door, stick their head inside the store and see who's working. And if yeah. they see me, it's bad news that they run out. But if there's <laughs> other like, no, there's you see their head like he did just run away, and and if there's like the other lax employees. Yeah, that they know that they're, they're not going to do anything to just go in. Yeah, yeah. So um, how, Yoshi? How big are you? I'm almost six one. Okay, so you're a pretty sizable, dude. But see, here's the thing. Um, I remember talking to Rogan once, like you should go to South Africa because you have tons of friends. He said it's dangerous, and kind of shocking because to me, Joe is the danger. You know, he's. Um, yeah. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? He's a mixed martial art. Um, I don't know yeah. how to find, um, but I think it's a good stereotype in my situation. I, th- I just think when this is six foot one aging, they just assume I know martial art. I don't know anything, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, in, in Europe, they call me, I know they're joking. They say, they call me Bruce, but I think, I think they do kind of think twice when they see somebody in my height and Asian, I think. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and if you just carry because... yourself a certain way, like confidently, they're like, ooh, fuck. You know, I don't know what this guy might or might not know, yeah. you know? That's when racism plays to your favor, you know? Yeah, but I don't. I really don't know how to fight at all. I mean, because uh, growing up in Japan, so many kids were taking martial art classes, you know? It's just like, it was a moot point, I think, you know? And I think... Yeah. I was going to tell you... Um, yeah. Uh... In Japan, we have this thing called, okay, so I haven't been there in 40 years, but I think the month of September is always dangerous time for many of the kids in Japan because they're going back to school. In Japan, they have this thing called Ijime, I-J-I-M-E. I think that's how you spell it. It's a concept where one other kid is so different from others, society feels the obligation to pick on that kid so he or she will become like everyone else yeah and quite often these kids will kill themselves before school start because they can't handle another year of harassment you know and wow um, so it's yeah. so it's like so a cultural what, bullying so that you'll reform and like catch up so they view it as a good thing i think they think like that wow um, they definitely thought they thought about it because every time people say Japan so safe, which it is, and people are nice, which they are. But the, but Unless you're the cost kid. of socializing, the 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 the, the cost of socializing everyone to be same, um, there's a heavy price that most people don't know. Because if you're a white person visiting Japan, you don't have to face that. You might face right. different kind of discrimination, but that's not one of them. So um, I got I. Um, I have Japanese name, but I'm ethnically Korean. So I guess I didn't quite act 100% like a Japanese person. Right. So I remember, I mean, it was almost every day, there's three to five kids who just chase after you, beat you up every day, you know? And um, and I live in a really rough neighborhood. So one of the guys living in my neighborhood, uh, he's clearly like a low-end Yakuza guy. He said, if I ever see you, obviously in Japanese, if I ever see you crying again, I'm going to kill you. That's what he said to me. And I'm like a first grader, you know, yeah. and looking back, maybe, <laughs> <You're> seven... <laughs> yeah, it's when... a seven year old so, boy. So looking back, I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe he wasn't being serious, but it, I took what he said seriously, but he, he was kind enough to say, look, if there's more than kid, one kid harassing you, what you got to do is try to be just one kid. No, no matter how other kids are hitting you, just pick one kid and hit them as much as you can. Then the message. It, because it will make them think twice about um, doing it again. And he, he also told me, take an umbrella next time and just put a little sheet of metal pieces inside, make it uh, stronger and just go to school with that. So um, sure enough, I'm running after school again. And... Yeah, when that thing started, I pinpoint one kid. It doesn't matter that kid number two, three, four, and five is hitting you. You just pick that one kid, right? And um, it stopped, you know. 
I mean, I've gotten in trouble from the kid's mother because I think he went to the hospital or something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, um, Isn't that so funny? This fucking kid's been torturing you for months and you finally get your retribution and his mom steps in? It's like it's like you said yeah. before, like, hey, how about the mother does a little better job, you know? Yeah. And um, here, here's, a, here's a really weird, weird fact. Um, I don't know if this is relevant, but I just found out this recently. Um, the reason lions have a yellowish brown color because they're predators. They have to blend in with the background. Um, the reason zebras or Trevor Noah called zebra, I don't know how you pronounce it. The reason why they have white and black stripe, they're not trying to blend in with the background. They're trying to blend, they're trying to um, confuse the predator pinpointing one particular zebra. Oh, interesting. So, yeah, so that's their protection. They're not trying to blend in the, you know what I mean? So, as soon as you could pinpoint one particular guy, whether you're first grader and getting bullied, or you're going to riot, you don't want to have too colorful an outfit. You want to have a pretty neutral, dark color. So you you, yeah. you don't want to be the one particular one getting picked on. You know what I'm saying here? Yeah. It's, oh, um, believe me, growing up growing up as a redheaded kid, you're the kid. You're the kid okay, people so, want so, to yeah, pick on. Yeah, you know? Yes, that's 100%, exactly. And you want to blend in because people are always looking for reason to fight. You know, I think... When this riot thing started, I wonder how much out of it because they really know what's going on in the world. Probably not. Because when I was 20, I was stupid. I'm still stupid now. Right. And when, when you're locked up for like three, four months, you've got pent up energy. And I think that probably didn't help the whole thing. Oh, for sure. Think, for sure. Know? Yeah. Reached a boiling point. But maybe this is a terrible thing to say because I think four months, last four months, I think I became more conservative because I think not social conservative, but security is such an important thing. You can't yeah. have anything, you know, women's rights, you know, all those ladies always complain about masculinity. Masculinity is not the problem. It's the bad masculinity is the problem. The good men will always fight people who behaving badly you know so yeah right well yeah they're only opening they're only opening up their up their traps now when we've uh, built all the buildings and vanquished all the bears yes <laughs> and 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 i think i have a lot of respect for got people who fight professionally because the, the more good they are fighting they're very respectful and they know what they can do with the, um their hands you know what's funny um uh is it he's a Vietnamese mixed martial art fighter, Kong Lee? Am I saying his name right? I think I don't know. so. I think his name is yeah, yeah. Um he's like six two, built like a brick. His friend of Russell Peters. Every time every time Kong shows up, and I've seen him beat people up, every time he show up, Russell Peters will say, Hey Yoshu, how come you you say you don't like Vietnamese people and they smell like dogs? He would do this on purpose in front of me, right? <laughs> and Khan is like a That sounds like Russell. <laughs> and he he plays around um because you know he's a funny funny guy, but man, when those when those guys don't smile, it is very unpleasant. Oh, no, and yes, 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 yes. They, because, they got because, a steeliness in their eyes, you know. I, I, absolutely. And um, that's why when these kids go and find a rights, they don't know what they're, they're insane. You know, these cops have trainings, they have guns, you know? So, yeah. Um, and another time when Russell took me to, uh, Lennox Lewis's home in Toronto years ago, mm. 
he's such he's such a gentle guy and uh, just a very nice guy but his son was horsing around and i think his son was like maybe five or seven and lennox said boy what did i tell you stop doing that he made this face i, I couldn't even look at his face it was <laughs> you know what i mean like with with yeah. his dread he looked like medusa you know what i mean he, he's just such a like fearsome you know i just can't yeah, believe right. we're same species his hands are like combined two of my hands are still bigger than my hands you know so yeah yeah, yeah. yeah they're this guy's incredible yeah 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 yeah. i feel the same way anybody like sort of walking into it i've been in a in a bunch of fights but i've been drunk for 95 percent of them you know anybody who's like getting up in the morning <laughs> getting up in the morning and be like yeah. eight o'clock tonight that's when it's going down the world's watching it's like holy yeah. fuck you know the worst is uh remember we got into a big a fight one night at the bar and i i we were so drunk and i just wake up in the morning and i'm like i just yelled at my buddy i'm like hey did we get in a fight last night <laughs> look down my pants are just covered in blood and he's like oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah not yeah. remembering it and yeah i used to, i used to i used to wake up out of a out of a, out of a blackout and just wait for the phone to start ringing to see if I was in a fight, you know, and then slowly yeah. but surely it pieces it together. <laughs> so how many fights have you think Man, you've been in? I, I, yeah. So how many fights do you think you've been in lifetime? Um, I mean, it, probably like a couple dozen, I think. But that's enough. I don't for even, a guy that doesn't enough. know how to fight, that's uh, you probably know a little more than most. I mean, when I when I was a kid, they, you know, if you live in Japan, you have to take something. So, my mom made me take kendo, which is a sword fighting. And then I think, nineteen eighty to eighty four, I think I took butotokan, which is like after shotokan karate. But I wasn't good at all, you know, because. Yeah. I didn't see the point. I didn't see a point taking it because growing up in Japan, everyone knew that stuff better than me. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's go it's like going to sports in stadium. You can't see, so you get up to see, get a better view. Well, if everyone get up, well, you're in the same spot again. You know? Right, so right, I right. Just, uh, it neutralizes it. Right. Yeah. But I was never looking for fights. But it's uh, probably like at uh, comedy clubs or working at the porn shop or whatnot. Like, I I, never, I I don't, except for hitting the guy with baseball bat, there's only other, most <laughs> of the time, somebody in Asia. Yeah. Most of the time, I have to say, they initiate something, you know, so. Right. Um, so, no, but, so you, but you, you've never been in a fight at a comedy club? Well, it's, it's, it, it's not really a fight. I, I, I Sorry, sorry about all this name dropping, but um, um, I'm, I'm sure you, you guys remember Brody Stevens. Yep. Yeah. Um, when he filmed his show on uh, Comedy Central, there were, he um, he filmed. Brody used to do a public access show in Seattle 25 years ago. Wow. So he did one last one last one in S Seattle like nine years ago, and uh, the topic was. Um, I ended up um, getting fired with a handicapped comic. This sounds really already bad, you know, but. Um, <laughs> Not if you won. <laughs> so, yes. Um, so 
what happened was Brody and Tana, they used to the public access in Seattle, they brought Al Fox. He is this handicapped comedian uh, in uh, Seattle. So he talked about the time he got assaulted by me on stage, right? So he told his side, which is complete bullshit. What he didn't know is I was in Seattle too. So I was hiding in the kitchen. So he told his side, then I went up and I told my side, which was a handicapped comedian named Al was doing a show and he was bombing and he started attacking these two kids verbally in front and he was done. So all, all I did was, it was my turn next. I went up and said, you know, it's Sunday night, it's a football night and we're very lucky to have a few people. Uh, we should be nice to, nice to the audience. You know, we don't have to be rude to them because they're like 14 or 15 year old kids in the front. Yeah. Al, from the back goes, shut up, Yoshi, before I kick your ass. And this is a handicapped guy that could barely walk well, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I said, um, well, if you know anything about Asian culture, when you have someone challenging you, especially a handicapped person, you have to take those. So I told Al, if you're going to take <laughs> talk crap, if you... <laughs> if you're going to talk a lot of crap, come up here because I thought it was going to be a joke too. And yeah, he, yeah. of course, it takes two hours for this handicapped guy to get on stage. But anyway, he gets on. <laughs> so I, so at, at that point, I still think it was a joke, right? So I pretend like I take my jacket off, put it in a stool, and like pretend to fight. And as soon as I turn around, he threw a glass of beer at my face. Oh, um, and. Now, to be fair, I think he was trying to get my face wet, but because his hands are all handicapped, right? So yeah. he he didn't mean to, but he just threw the whole a bottle of glass or something. Well, of course, when somebody something like that happened, you don't even think. I just ended up choking him, and because Al was and because Al was acting like a, such an asshole, everybody in the office room was saying, literally, they were literally saying, "Kill the retard." They really hated him, you know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I mean, this yeah. this is in C this is in Seattle. People are like liberal and they like uh, diversity, but he maybe was such I can a play prick. Seattle after all. <laughs> I choked him and threw him in the ground, and I'm choking, and I had my knees on his chest, and um, I usually, I usually tell the audience at that point, um, here's a rule about choking handicapped people. That knee is not necessary, right? And I also <laughs> said you should you should really stretch before you do that. Anyway, what happened was there was a black comedian, Clip Barnes. He got up, and you know when you're so upset and you like want to want to fight, if somebody just grab you, you probably turn around and hit that person. Right, right, right. Cliff was ten. Cliff is 10 or 15 years older and he grew up with in Seattle. So he did see some, you know, interaction with police. He knows that when they're that upset, you just don't grab them. You try to calm people down. And I'm glad he did because I think he, anybody who would grab me at that point, I might have turned around. I was just so upset when he did that. So he calmed me down and everybody stopped. Well, what happens as soon as I told my side of the story, you have Al and my side, they're two completely different stories. The, the tiebreaker was Cliff was there. So this oh, black, so he went up and he told the story is 98% what I said. Yeah. So, you know, uh, and, and to be fair, something that happened 10, 12 years before that, this is nine years ago when we recorded this. You're not going to have a clear it, memory, it, right? Right. 
but especially if you just but, choked. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> lack of oxygen. But when when Cliff went up, you know, told my side, I, I was really really happy because they, they were filming that for Comedy Central. They never used it, but you know, yeah. you don't want to go around. You don't want to be going around be known as the guy beating up a handicapped person in Seattle. <laughs> yeah, you know, for so, no reason. Right, right, right. Yeah. So. Um, so far, your reputation but, is beating up women, handicaps, and crackheads. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because, because Sun Tzu said, never fight a war, you can't win. So I'm not going to find a real, real man out there. That's perfect. That's not a little philosophy. <laughs> when, you were, when you were at the show, though, and you're hiding out in the kitchen, so this guy had no idea that you were there. How how surprised was he? Was it like a WWE moment where Stone Cold Steve Austin's theme music plays? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> I mean, he's jaw dropped because he hasn't seen me since then. So yeah. you know, I think there's part of part of him think I'm going to choke him again. I'm not going to choke him again unless <laughs> yeah, unless he throws unless another he, beer at your face, right? Not exactly, um, but. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't, I couldn't remember. There's a couple things that Cliff said that I don't remember. But um, oh, here's the part that we're. I know for a fact there was less than twenty or twenty-five people. But after that incident, so many people said I was there. They like, were there. What? Right. You were. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't know where that come from because it's kind of same thing when people say I saw Elvis, you know, or yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, or there's been cases where. They supposedly saw a uh, burglar in their neighborhood after there's some prominent cases, you know. So I don't know how much of it's lying or some of it like they just, I don't know. People have this imagination that they see things that they didn't see, you know. So yeah. um, My other question is for all three of you guys to be in that room, did Brody know the story beforehand and set <laughs> it up that way? Was it or did it just happen magically? Well, he kind of knew the story because by then he was in New York City and he was doing big things in New York. But um, I just flew in and last, this is just last minute, like, hey, you know what, Yoshi, you know what would be funny? Why don't you stay in the kitchen after we interview Al? Why don't you come up? Yeah, uh, he, there was not, a, there, this wasn't a planned thing, you know? Yeah, yeah, but yeah. It, was pretty, it was pretty funny and um, <laughs> I'm helping my friend, I'm helping my friend Tana Manu who did, 150 180 maybe even 200 episodes with brody uh mid 90s you know so we're digitizing all the episodes and hopefully wow. we can make it available because i couldn't believe how progressive brody was about i mean he was talking about gay marriage and transgender rights like this is mid 90s you know like yeah, it's yeah, really yeah. weird was, to see that now. Yeah. yeah 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 so and to me, he was a lot happier person before he went to New York and taking those pills and stuff, you know? So I, I don't want to sound like anti-science, but I wonder sometimes did the, those head meds, did it change him to the point where he became dependent? I don't know, you know? Yeah, I don't... It's probably not the meds, it's probably New York. It sucks the joy out of well, you. Well, okay. <laughs> maybe, maybe you're right. Yeah, yeah. But it was really it, it was really nice to see him, oh, the cool. young Brody that was mm -hmm. uh, was very happy and he was so funny. I mean, uh, it was. Oh, cool. I shouldn't be surprised he did so well in L.A. Yeah. Hmm. Cool. Well, we've been going for about an hour. I think it's a good it's a good spot to uh, to wrap it up. 
Sure. Cool. That was great. Uh, thanks, guys. I'm sorry they didn't work out before, but this is fun. Oh, and, yeah, no, no, um, no. It's cool, man. The timing very is the happy timing, to you know? Um, I, 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 I wish that more kids would, like, learn basic defense and know a little bit more about real fights because I think too many kids these days on cell phone, they don't know the real world. And yeah. I think they're a little, they're a little too overconfident how they, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they a little they they're a little too disrespectful. I agree. Yeah. And, uh, too many helicopter parents and they're, they're not really doing, uh, I'll leave with you this. I was in Olympia visiting my friend Ruben and I, I saw his kid when he was four, then years later when he was 17, I saw him again. And just make the story short, he's gay, super gay. And he think people pick on him because he's gay. What he doesn't realize, uh, it's not that people don't like him because he's gay. They don't like him, he's a fucking asshole. Right. And he's disrespectful to his dad and the cousin. And I asked Ruben, Ruben, please don't take this wrong because you're my friend for many years. You know what your son really needs, a punch in the face. I'm, this is not a homophobic thing. You know, like he's such an asshole. Spoiled like, he's prick, such right. a diva. He's acting rude. You could get away with that in Olympia, Washington, but God forbid, if he's ever in Texas in places like, no, I like Texas, but right. I'm just saying, if you're rude and gay, that's not right. a good formula for places like that, you know? Right, they don't, right, Those right. kids really don't know. They don't yeah. know what's going on, man. I think I'm going to um, spank my kid tonight, now that you said it. She's been a little pushy. <laughs> <laughs> You'll thank me later. Uh. Cool. Well, thank Yoshi. Thanks again, man. Uh, what thank are you, you What are you doing right now? Are you pushing anything? Are you creating anything? Uh, something coming up? Um, I'm working on. Uh, um, um, so I was uh, on John Ronson's podcast called um, Last Day of August. It's a huge podcast. I think a year ago it was like top five podcast of the year. And cool. This uh, porn star named August Ames killed herself, and it was a story about um, Canadian. Yeah. Um, so I was on that. So I'm working on another different porn doc slash podcast right now. Nice. And basically working on uh, and working on the Brody's um, public access show. But yeah, um, they keep canceling all the comedy shows. So I really don't know what to do. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know what it is like in New York for you guys. But yeah, there's no shows right here right now. Yeah, it's sparing. Some are popping up. They're popping up in parks. They're trying to squash them as they pop up. You know, like little weeds. But uh, you know, yeah. we got we got we we have other ways to be creative. Cool. Well, thanks, guys. Sorry we dragged you so long to do this. And uh, oh no 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 no, this was really fun. Yeah yeah, it was cool. Was we appreciate you having you when we had you. Let me know if, when you guys are in the West Coast or even places like Vegas or Phoenix. Uh, oh, cool. And, Absolutely. Uh, anywhere man. in the West Coast. Yeah, that'd yeah, be let great. Me know. Yeah, grab a burger. Yes. All right, brother. Thanks, man. Awesome. Thanks. Talk to you guys soon. You got okay. it.